We're going to continue today in our series called Scent. Scent. We are a scent people, right? And so we looked at that last week, and Acts theologians call it the actions of the apostles, the acts of the new, the early church, right? And so uh, it, it is, the book of Acts is a book of history, but it also is still relevant to today. Come on, somebody. And so the, it, it is a book that historically documents the early church and all the great actions of the apostles and all the believers, but also it's a book that reminds us who we are today. It's not just a history book of yesterday. It's a book that reminds us of who we're supposed to be today and what we're supposed to be doing today. And I said it to you like this last week, just to sum up the message in one sentence. We gather to worship and we scatter to witness. We gather, here we are, we're gathered, we're gathered together to worship, to hear the word of God, to fellowship together before, after service, whatever. And then we scatter on purpose with intentionality to be a witness for Jesus. Amen? Why? Because we're a sent people. We're not a seated people, we're a sent people. And so today, I want to continue with part two of our sent series. And here's what I want to really encourage you to do. Those who are watching us, welcome YouTube, welcome Facebook. Um, but also for those in the room and anybody out in overflow, I would just say this to you, is I really want to encourage you to take notes. And if your phone distracts you because you want to get on social media, next week bring a notepad. Come on, let's go old school if you have to. But get the phone out, get whatever you need to do, take some notes, because here's why. I'm going to speak for the next few minutes to your past. I'm going to speak to your now, and I'm going to speak to your future. I'm going to speak to your past. Come on, we're not, gonna, we're not going here to relive the past. We learn from the past. Come on, somebody. Talk about your now. Somebody say now. And we're going to look at your future and my future. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's teaching is When God Calls Your Name. When God calls your name. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're already here with us. We welcome you now to come a little closer. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. There are idealists in the room and there are realists in the room. And then there are those crazy dreamers. I'm a dreamer. I've been a dreamer since I was a kid. I'm not a realist and I'm not an idealist. I'm a dreamer. My head has been in the clouds, my mom and dad tell me, since I was a little boy. I've always kind of just seen things in pictures. Um, God has a great sense of humor because he gave me, I married a realist, all right? So there's been many times when Lisa's like, hey, Chris, I need you to come off Mount Sinai for a moment, and let's talk about what's going down here on planet Earth, all right? I'm very thankful for that. And God's put teammates around me, too, like, okay, I, I hear the big picture. Let's talk about how we're going to get there. Because dreamers and visionaries don't know how to get there. They just see the big picture. Any dreamers in the room at all? Come on, somebody. There you are. See, you're not crazy. You're not cuckoo, all right? So we got some dreamers in the room, some also, you know, some realists and some idealists. And so for me, a dreamer or a visionary, uh, you don't see what is, you see what could be. 
you see potential. Uh, what drives me crazy as a young man and as a 52-year-old young man also uh, is that when I see a warehouse or an empty, dilapidated building, it drives me crazy because I see that that could be a fully operational business or I just see it, that could be a church building. Come on. That, that's the way I see things. And when I see people uh, as your pastor, when people talk to me about their problems, I don't see their problem. I see them solving their problem with God's help. Amen? And so I see things, uh, in the end, much bigger and better. And yes, at times, that has gotten me in trouble through the years because dreamers can kind of stay up here, right, like I was saying. And I'm very thankful, again, that God has surrounded me, number one, with my best friend and others who can help me. And any dreamer in the world knows that, thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us realists and idealists. Somebody's like, right now, I need to know what a realist or idealist is. So you're like Google searching. So, uh, but here's what I want to say. If realists are honest with themselves, and I asked Lisa again last night, um, realists have a hard time dreaming, all right? But God put a dream in her heart and our heart years ago about a kingdom church, a big, beautiful, multicultural, multi-generational family. He put it in our hearts years ago. And so for those that don't know, I'm not going to stay there long at all, but for those that don't know, uh, several years ago, many years ago actually, uh, Lisa and I were senior pastors of a church in frigid Omaha, Nebraska. We were pastors there for three and a half years. Why do I say frigid? Because we just heard from our friends. Three, week, uh, three days ago, they had eight inches, of, eight inches of snow. Last night, they had 13 inches of snow. You guys can have that there. Keep it. I just gave him a little emoji like, ha, 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 you know, to my friends there. And, and so, but we were there, and God called us there. And uh, as cold as the winters were, we saw ourselves there for a very long time. So to make a long story short, uh, we took over predominantly uh, an older congregation, mainly white, with some younger culture, or some younger, excuse me, families sprinkled in there, and a little bit of culture in there. But what we, what we uh, inherited is not what Lisa and I saw in our mind. We saw a beautiful, multi-generational, multicultural church exploding in the life of God and winning that community. And can I tell you, that's exactly what happened. To God be the glory, great things he has done. He always does it. It's always him. We just get to be around for the ride. And so for three and a half years, we saw incredible things. I could brag on him all day long. I will probably write a book about it one day because I saw we saw things we've never seen before that God did in those three and a half years. I could brag on him all day long. But at the end of it, it all came tumbling down. On one fateful Monday night where Lisa and I were sitting with the governing leaders, of that church, and they told us, we love you, and we love, we love y'all, but we don't want this anymore. And the this was kingdom. And so what I said through tears was, if you don't want this, you don't want us. How many people know sometimes kingdom can be messy? To reconcile, it can sometimes be messy before it's glorious. And so we had to leave. And we were devastated, and I was very angry at the same time. I remember walking through the main auditorium the night I turned in my keys and everything else, and I was with my second 
child, my son Nicholas, who's not a child anymore. Um, and he was staring, I remember seeing, he was staring at the main auditorium from the back doors, just kind of looking at everything. This was, this was it. We were about to move. And, uh, and I just thought to myself, I uh, said under my breath, why me, God? Why me? Why me, Lord? Anybody ever asked that before? It may be a different story, same question. You brought us out here to the North Pole, God. I did what you told us to do. Did exactly what you told us to do. We followed you. Now, what am I supposed to do? Anybody ever asked that before? When something doesn't work out? Well, now what am I supposed to do? I vividly remember saying it. Thank God I didn't write it down, but I vividly remember saying to myself that night as we were leaving the, the campus for the last time, the dream is over and I'm done. And I was upset because I, I knew of other pastors with similar stories that had taken a similar church like ours, and it was still going strong, and they were still there. So I started thinking, like, what's wrong with me? What did, what did I do wrong? Maybe there's some people here today, you can relate with that. Different story, same feelings. You know, here's what I've learned is, and this is the truth, sometimes it feels like life leaves you behind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it started when we, you know, if we go back uh, when our, in our early days as kids, when that time that we didn't get picked to be on the kickball team, come on, kickball, that, that was me. I, I was clumsy as a child, but when I, when I grew into my legs as a teenager, I was the flash, all right? But as a child, I was clumsy, and I'd fall all over myself, and I was usually the last to be picked on the kickball team, all right? Um, that's the worst, isn't it, to be last to be picked about something? It's just a weird kind of feeling and awkward, like, okay, now you got to take me, you know? <laughs> and you know that the whole time you just kick the ball because it's really not worth it because no one wanted you there. I don't, I don't know all your stories, but I know that we all, some might say all, we've all experienced deep pain attached to things that didn't work out in our lives. We've all felt at times overlooked. Maybe even forgotten by God. God, do you, do you even see me? Maybe you started that business. You knew you were supposed to do it. Going strong two or three years, and then it just crumbled. Didn't work. Maybe like me and Lise, pursued that God dream because God told you to do it, and the dream collapsed for reasons that are out of your control, and you don't even still have the promotion that you really wanted, but your coworker that you're really close with got it instead. And you're like, well, God bless you, but right now I don't like you. I, I don't know. I don't know, there's a million scenarios. Why, why, why is everybody getting married but me? Or why, why is my marriage falling apart but everybody else seems, by the way, it's not always like what you see. Seems like everybody's doing great. What did I do? What's wrong with me? I guess this is it. Well, church, I want to lean into this moment. Then we're going to look at somebody that went through this in Acts chapter 1. So please hear me. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this. I want to say this to you as strong and as anointed as I can. I don't care if you're 18 years old or you're 80 years old. It's not over until God says it's over. Amen? You need to hear that. 
Lisa and I, you put your name there, we've gone through disappointments. We've gone through things that didn't work out, but I'm still standing here today preaching to you. So I'm telling you today that just because maybe life slammed the door in your face, God's not finished with you. Amen? He's not finished with you. You may have been overlooked by man, but God sees you. You may have been passed over, but God knows you. Hang on. Remain steady. Maybe it's just a not yet. Amen? So if you still got breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. Come on, we all woke up this morning, and by the way, that's a gift. We woke up this morning, God's not done with you. God sees you, and let me just say this. I'm not just saying this to kind of hype you up. I hate hype, number one. I'm saying this, this the truth. I'm saying the word to you. If there's breath in your lungs, God's not done, and just because something didn't work out doesn't mean you're finished. And just because the dream died doesn't mean that the dream will always stay dead. If that was true, I would not be standing here today. God is really good at putting our broken lives back together again. Amen? God's exceptionally good at restoring a dream, at redeeming the dream. He's in the redeeming business. It started at the cross. He's been doing it ever since. He can redeem the dream in you, and he can redeem, the Bible says, redeem the days because they are evil. Man doesn't have the final word. Jesus does right here on the screen. Somebody needs to write this down. Put it in your, put it somewhere in deep in your heart. Jesus has the final word, not man. So let me say this to you, and I'm going to look in the screen for everybody watching this, wherever you're at. Please don't give up. Please, please don't. Your future needs you, God needs you, the body of Christ needs you, your family needs you, people that you don't even know yet need you. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. And this is why. There is still more inside you, and there is much more in front of you. Did you hear that? There is still more, somebody say more. There's still more inside you, and there's much more in front of you. And I want to say this real quickly. To the mamas and the papas in the room, our verbiage, mamas and papas, anybody that's 65 and older, you could easily look back and go, I guess my best days are behind me. Not says the Lord. That's not what his word says. And so I want to tell you, mom and dad, mamas and papas, we need you. Why do I call you that? Because you are the spiritual parents of this house. We need you. You are our mentors. You are our coaches. You're our example. You're our models. We can learn so much from your lives. Please don't check out. Lean in. We need you. Come on, somebody. So let's dive into Acts 1 now. Look down at verse 15. Are you there? Let me give you quick context because you need to know what we're diving into. We talked about this last week. Jesus just ascended back to heaven to be with his father. His last words were wait and go. That doesn't even make sense. Like He said, ready, set, wait. <laughs> and the reason he said wait because he said before you go, you need my power. You got my spirit in you, now you need the power on you. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so he says you got to wait and then you got to go. Somebody say go. So the Bible says that they returned to Jerusalem, the 11, they weren't 12 anymore, one had already died, Judas. And so the 11 returned to Jerusalem, they meet with the other believers, there was more than just 12, there were plenty of believers actually. And they're waiting for what they really don't know what is coming. They don't know what's coming. 
but it's the power of the Spirit. And then they're going to go and change the world, and here we are today. And so let me just give a quick nugget real quick. While you're waiting, always pray. Waiting, somebody needs to hear this. Some of you are in a waiting season. Don't just, you know, just roll roll your fingers and just kind of like roll your eyes and like this is the worst. No, no, no. While you're waiting, start being a person that's praying and seek the Lord. God will give you grace in the waiting, but you find the grace in prayer. So they're waiting for what they really don't know. They don't even know who the Holy Spirit really is yet, but the power is coming for them, and they're waiting, and then this is what happens. Look at verse 15. During this time, and you can see the number has grown, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. He said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled concerning Judas who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted or prophesied long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Now look at this. You can hear, if you take time in the scripture, you can hear the heart of people. And you can hear a grieving Peter. Listen to what he says right here. Judas was one of us. And he shared in the ministry with us. I just remind you that they didn't know who was going to betray Jesus. They knew that Jesus would be betrayed and he would die and he would write. He kept telling them that. And so that was in the back of their mind. But they didn't know that one of the brothers would do it. So they had to be just grieving over the loss of their brother, anger, grief, all those emotions. Because they did life with this man. You don't, you don't spend time three years with a person and, and, and you're not brothers after that. So Peter is processing, grieving the loss of his friend, and then look down at verse 21. So we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time. Now this is key, lean into this. While the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. And then he gives a a time marker. From the time Jesus was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. That was his ascension. Whoever is chosen, somebody say chosen, Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men. So by the way, let me pause for a second. I get ahead of myself. Uh, So the criteria for being an apostle was not only were you there from the beginning of Jesus' baptism, but you had to see his resurrection. You had to be a part of that. That was the criteria for who was going to be the 12th apostle. And why the 12? Why why couldn't they just stay a strong 11? Because 12 represented the 12 tribes of Israel. God didn't want them to go out, uh, you know, whatever that percentage is. He wanted them to go out 100%. 12. That completion there. And so they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. So this man had three names. Come on, somebody, if you want like, which one are you today? I don't, you know, I don't know what to call you. Barsabbas, we'll just call him Barsabbas. And then there was Matthias. And here's the deal. So they see these two guys and both of them, man, they looked apart. Both of them could be, I mean, here's these two. So it's these two guys. One of these is going to be the 12th apostle. So they did what we all need to do when you're making a big decision. They prayed. And they all did it. They all prayed. And they prayed. And this is, this is part of the prayer. Oh, Lord. You know every heart. Come on, see, God sees things that we don't. You know every heart. Show us which of these men 
you have chosen. Come on, when we're praying, we're putting whatever decision we're making in God's hands. God, I want your will, not my will. Maybe they all wanted Barsabbas. I don't know. But they prayed, and they said, God, we want you to show us which these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he deserted us, and he's gone where he belongs. And then they cast lots, and somebody's like, huh? Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Let me just quickly tell you this about casting lots. Casting lots was a, an Old Testament way of discovering God's will, and I don't got time to go all into it, but, but say, basically say this. Here's what they did, though. They didn't just cast lots. They took time to pray, and then they cast lots knowing that the Lord was going to be the one to pick the person. So they prayed, somebody say pray, and then they casted lots. And by the way, this is the last time documented that they ever cast lots because very quickly after, the Holy Spirit comes, and now they're not only a spirit-filled people, they're a spirit-led people. So the Holy Spirit will lead their decision-making. They don't need lots anymore. You know, it's very important, it's very important to us that when you, very important to, when you pick the right team member, to be on the right team. Let me say it like that again. It's very important to pick the right team member for the right team. Somebody say team. And Jesus has done that. He picked his original 12. And here we are now, this 12th person. The Lord picked it. And let me just say this, by the way, because we've all been there. When you didn't get picked, I've been there. I've experienced that. I didn't get that job, whatever. It doesn't mean just because you didn't get picked that something's wrong with you or less than. It just means you weren't the right person at the right time for that right team. Y'all with me? Let, let's look at that verse again very quickly. On, on just a time marker, it's very important, just a different translation, NIV. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who had been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time Jesus was taken from us. Why do I re-highlight that? Because when did Jesus pick his original 12? The, the OG, come on, somebody. When did he pick his original 12? It was after he got water baptized. What does that have to do with anything? What does that mean? It means that Matthias and Barsabbas were there the whole time when the original 12 were picked, but they weren't chosen. They were there because the scripture says whoever's going to be the 12th apostle had to be there from the baptism of Jesus all the way through the resurrection. They were there the whole time. Now let me remind you real quick how Jesus picked the 12, the original 12. It says one day soon afterward Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. Come on, Jesus loved the lake and he loved the mountain. He was a mountain lake guy, all right? Sorry beach people. I'm a beach person, but he loved the mountains and he loved the lake. And he prayed to God all night. What does that tell us? When we got to make a big decision, he's about to pick his team. If you need to buy that house, you need to pray and fast. If you need to buy that car, don't just buy the car, pray and fast. Whatever you need to do of major decisions, and I'd say small too, give it to God first. Pray and say, God, should we do this? Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. That's why prayer filters that out. So why would Jesus have to pray? He knows who's, he's modeling for us how we should live. 
Goes to pray, prays to God all night. At daybreak, these guys were early risers. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. I want to give you a quick picture. He came down that mountain, and if I point at you, would you please stand? I want to give you a picture of what this felt like, all right? Definitely you. 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 Not, not you, not you, not you. You, yeah, you. 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 Are you seeing this? Are you feeling something already? One, two, three, four, five. I didn't do good in algebra one or two, so... You, 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 you. All the ladies are like, all right, Chris, when are you going to get to us? We can't change the scriptures, people, all right? The 12, the 12 were men. There were many women that followed Jesus, but the 12 were men, all right? Some, anyway, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And, <laughs> and 12. Come on, give it up for my 12 real quick. Stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing. This is exactly what it felt like. Jesus came down the mountain. There's a crowd of people. Pick me, pick me. Come on, just like back in the day. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And he picked 12. Ouch. Because we know that these were men. I think sometimes we think of the apostles or the followers of Christ that they were some kind of supermen and women. They were men and women just like you and I. They had feelings. There had to be some disappointment that they weren't chosen to be the 12. Thank you, guys. Y'all can be seated. But here's the deal. By the way, funny story. Last night I did that in the 6 p.m. Saturday night service. We called it Saturday Night Raw with Jesus, all right? And, and uh, the last person I picked, I did not know this, was a new person. So he came up to me afterward, and he's like, great service. I'm like, hey, you? He's like, yeah, I was a new person. You picked me to be last. I'm like, well, God knows what he's doing. Sorry, not sorry, you know? And so thankfully, he didn't leave offended right there. He's like, but he did smile. He's like, when I picked him, he's like, you? And he's like, <laughs> it's just kind of, <laughs> it was a nervous little thing. We all have those feelings. There, that, but here's the deal. Matthias and Barsabbas were in that crowd that day. I just took you back in time to Luke. Remember, Luke wrote Acts, so he's documenting both. And so on that day, I like being down here with you guys. This feels good. On that day, listen, they were there, but they weren't chosen. Jesus picked his 12-man team, and they were not a part of it, the original 12. Their friends got the promotion. Their brothers got the promotion. And they probably felt like what some of you did, like, come on, call me, man, call me, call me, call me. Or somebody's like, don't you dare call me, don't you Whatever it is, all those feelings, they probably felt overlooked, they probably felt disappointment, all those things. We all know those feelings, don't we, church? But here's the deal, and we've got to catch this. Please, you've got to catch this. Those two men still follow Jesus even though they didn't get picked. For three years they followed Jesus, they followed Jesus, and they had to deal with disappointment. Everybody, listen, they followed Jesus, but they weren't his inner core. They were his outer core, and they still follow him. Most people bail on God when they don't get picked. Most people bail when they're like, that was my job, or that was this, or this should have never broken down. This shouldn't have, I'm done. 
And I said that earlier. I was the same way. So I want to encourage you. The hurt is real. The disappointment is real. The pain is real. But we got to give it to Jesus. Amen? I can imagine them going, okay. That night, that day when they got picked, when Jesus came down the mountain, they're like, pick me, pick me. Okay, that hurt. That, that did not feel good. But I'm going to continue to follow you, Jesus. Why? Because I know, I'm just speaking for them. But I know that Jesus holds the future in my hand, in his hands. Amen? He holds my future in his hands. So just because the dream died doesn't mean your story's over. Amen? Our story is full of chapters, church, that haven't been written yet. Somebody needs to hear that again. Your story is still being written. And until the Lord takes you home, if you're a believer in the room, your story is still being written, and there's plenty of chapters to come. So don't let the enemy keep you stuck in the past chapters. Dr. Luke tells us uh, later that he picked 72 more people. Right here, the the Lord chose the 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. I guarantee you that Matthias and Barsabbas were a part of those 72. They weren't. The original 12, but they were. And here's the deal. Now let's move back, let's move forward in time to where Matthias gets picked. Did you know this? And this is crazy to think about. We never hear another thing in Scripture about Matthias or or Barsabbas. We don't know what happened to either one of them. Now we do know this. All the apostles were brutally killed. So Matthias had to have been a martyr for the faith. John was the only one that lived in a prison until he died. And he was half alive doing that. And so I want us to look at this. I want to I go practical with you. I want us to look at this. When things don't work out the way we thought they were, or when the dream dies, whatever the situation is, how do I prepare myself to be ready next time when God calls my name? How do I do that? Like Matthias. Let's look at it together. I want to give you three things very quickly. Y'all still with me? Three things, how can I be ready when God calls my name? Number one, number one thing we want to do is we want to guard our potential. Or make it personal, guard my potential. See, the devil, because we have a real enemy, the devil hates you and the potential that God has put in you. Every one of you have potential, no matter how old you are in the room or how young. There's still potential in you ready to come out in every season of life. And the devil knows that. He doesn't know really your future. He can maybe put some things together and see where you're going. But hell's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy the things of God before they even get going in your life. You might know what I'm talking about. The potential of God. We all know the definition of, in the dictionary of potential, I want to give you a biblical definition. Look right here. Potential is the sum of who you are, so that's the core of who you are, what you can do, and this is most important, and what God can do through you that you haven't done yet. Keep that on there just a second. People can get it. The sum of who you are, what you can do, and what God can do through you that you haven't done yet. Listen, I'll submit to you, that's why there's an onslaught, an endless onslaught attacked against our babies, our children, and our teenagers because of the potential of God in them. 
That's why I encourage you. That's why we don't babysit around here, be it young people, be it young adults, be it our teenagers, be it our children, be it our babies. We are ministering to them. We are investing our lives into them. And if you serve any of those areas, thank you. Thank you for loving on our young people and our children and our babies. Listen, Satan doesn't know your future, so he will try to get you early on. That's why several, excuse me, several. That's why many adults in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are still dealing with childhood hurts. But can I tell you, you don't have to live there. God can heal you of any hurt, amen? I'm a testimony, many of us are testimonies that God's healed us of hurts in our childhood, amen? Anybody been healed from their childhood hurts and pains? Come on, let you know you're not alone in the room. Thank you, thank you. And if you didn't raise your hand, you need to get some healing. All right, I'm just saying. Listen, let me give you a couple examples. Satan tried to kill Moses as a baby before he ever became a a deliverer. Satan tried to kill Jesus as a baby before he ever became the savior of the world. You know the stories. Look them up. Look in Luke. Look with Moses in Exodus. Mass murder against babies to kill one person. Back in the Old Testament and in the New with Jesus. The enemy hates us. And since, he, since you're here today and he couldn't kill you in the womb, listen to me, he's been trying to pollute your future. He's been trying to pollute your potential today with pain and hurt and all kinds of other stuff. That's why we gotta guard our potential. Amen? We gotta guard our potential from pollution, from sin. The, the, the disappointments and the real stuff, the hurt's going to happen, but we don't need to let it pollute us and it becomes sin in our lives. Got to guard. Somebody say guard. Got to guard your potential. It makes me think of a scripture from one of my faves from Proverbs 4. It says this right here, New Living. I love the way New Living puts that into the sentence. Guard your heart above all else. Come on, read it with me. For it determines the course of your life. So let me give you an example. Here's, here's, this is just a scenario. Here's how it happens. Many of us can relate with it in some way. You get passed over for the promotion. At the same time, you're having marriage issues, and we all have issues in our marriages at times in our life. So you get passed over promotion, so now things are not well at work. At least you could bank on work being well, and now things are not good at home either. So it's the home front, and the workplace is not good, and so you don't see any next for you in your future. Can I just remind you, when you can't see clear at all, you have a God that sees the end from the beginning. Amen? So what happens is, because you're hurting at home and at work, it affects all of your life. What happens is, and this happened to me, is you begin, I'm gonna give you a picture if you can see me, maybe do a close-up down on my feet. You take a, you literally take your foot off the gas pedal of pursuing Jesus. You back off. And instead of pursuing the Lord when everything was good, that's when you pursue the Lord. How about pursuing God even when things aren't good? And what happened to me and many of us is we start wallowing in self-pity. And then we say things that we shouldn't say because we're hurting and discouragement is trying to come in and move into our heart. We start saying things we never should say well, they picked the wrong guy. We start bad-mouthing leadership or bad-mouthing coworkers or bad-mouthing our spouse. Well, she's never there or he's never there. And we're speaking death over everybody, including ourselves. The Bible says power and life of death are on the tongue. And then we really start speaking death. I'll never accomplish my dream. Well, it was never your dream in the first place. It's God's dream. He's the dream maker. 
And so that wallowing leads to discouragement. And I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying, discouragement will always come a-knocking, just don't let it in. That's the one door you want to slam back in that face. And so when, when discouragement moves into our hearts, we lose our fight. We lose our oomph. There's no more fight. And we just start giving in to stuff that we would no, normally never give in to. We, we're, we're living in troubled waters. I'm not going to sing the song, but it reminds me of an old quote. The devil loves to fish in troubled waters. Y'all with me? So what happens is we give in to the sins that we have already conquered years ago. Call it whatever sin you want to. The porn that we had conquered we go back and visit it, it temporarily eases the pain. We start coming in late to work. We leave early, bad-mouthing everybody, discouragement moving into our hearts. The reason it sounds similar or familiar is because we all deal with that. We've got to make sure that we're a people. When we have the hurts and the pains and the disappointments of life and things don't go well, church, listen to me, we've got to give those things to Jesus. Because they, 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 they start a bitter wound in our hearts. When discouragement comes in, it's never too late for God, but I'm telling you, that needs to be a warning sign because the next, the next ugly cousin coming after that is depression. And so the, that's the trap of the evil one for us to sulk and get upset. And, and listen, your feelings are real, but we've got to give our feelings to God. And yes, it hurts to be passed over, but here's what we got to know. God, maybe you're wanting to do something in me right now. I don't know why you got passed over. There, I know this, when you, don't, when you get passed over and you don't get picked for something, take a step back because the Holy Spirit may be highlighting some things in your life that are hindering you. Let him do the surgery, go there with God, and then be ready next time he calls your name. Don't let sin, right here on the screen, somebody needs to write this down, don't let sin sabotage your future success. So here's what I want to say to you for mood number two. The future God is calling you to is worth you saying no now to that sin and saying yes to the Lord for your future. The future that God is calling you to is worth you saying no to the sin now and saying yes to the Lord while you wait for him to call your name. Guard your potential and you'll be ready next time God calls your name. Amen? Point number two. How can I be ready? First one is guard. The second one, this, I love this one because I love everything about growing. Grow my potential. Grow your potential. How can I be ready when God calls my name? Somebody say grow. Grow your potential. Listen, I've seen too many people, been there, done that, that when the dream dies, they lay down and die, spiritually speaking. I know that pain too well. I remember those dark days. I remember the nightmares. I remember the no sleep. I can go there. I remember all of it. But listen, this is what I want to say. You've got to hear this. But by the grace of God and by the help of my helpmate, my best friend, and by brothers in my life, I am standing here today not only preaching to you but being fulfilled in the will of God as I chase God. And so I'm telling you today, just because things happen and it didn't go your way, God is not done with you. Grow through it. Grow through it. 
I want to remind you, some of you don't know my story, and I don't have time to go there, but when we were caught in transition and I somehow got a job in the middle of the thick of COVID at Publix, and God bless Publix, it's a great organization to work for, it just wasn't my calling or my dream, but I, I, every day, it was rough, guys. I was surrounded by a bunch of young people, and they called me old man. So I'd be at the, you know, the cashier with the stuff, bloop, and I'd just kind of stare at the bagger, you know, bloop, bloop. He's like, come on, old man, get faster. I'm like, I'm going to get faster in a second, you know, bloop. He's like, bloop, you know. But while I was there doing double shifts, doing whatever I could do to put bread on the table, seeing people fighting about toilet paper like I've never experienced in my life before, all that going on, God kept saying to me, be faithful now and grow through this, Chris. Now, we're clapping now and praising God, but I was angry then. (laughs) And that's okay. Be honest with God. Grow through it. If you got fired justly or unjustly, first, unjustly, number one, forgive. Forgive them. A lot of people actually are not getting fired. A lot of people are getting laid off right now because of our economy and all things going on. But here's the deal. If you're still supposed to be in that field, field, excuse me, and you got fired justly or unjustly, can I tell you what? If you're still supposed to be in that field, if God's called you there, keep working on your craft and keep growing. God's got your job. If your marriage fell apart, number one, I want to say I'm sorry. But here's what I want to say. You don't have to stay broken. It hurts and it breaks our hearts. But God is really good, as I said earlier, bragging on him, putting the broken pieces back together again. So if you went through that, number one, I'm sorry. Number two, I want to say this, seek healing because God is a healer, not just a broken bones, but a broken hearts. Come on, somebody. Receive forgiveness and also give forgiveness. Don't stay bitter and keep moving forward and keep growing. Wherever you are in life, when things didn't work out, keep growing. Look at your neighbor and say, keep growing. Listen, and this is what you got to hear. Oh, I, I felt this so strong. Every time when I typed it out, I felt it strong. Every time I preached it so far, I got one more in the 1 p.m. Here's what I want to say to you. God waste nothing. All the things we've gone through in our life, the good and the bad, the pain, the disappointment, things not working out, God uses all of it. He causes all the things to work together for good to those who love him and are called. Our God waste nothing. I've said, you've said, we've all said, this is a waste of time in a season that you're in. And God's like, no, it's not. I'm doing something more than you can see. Amen. We got to learn from our mistakes. Heaven help us and keep growing. And here's what I would just leave you before we move to number three and close it out. And for Pete's sake, God help us with this. Maybe write this down. Be faithful in the now. A lot of people, and especially us dreamers, we got we to watch it. But everybody, a lot of people are looking with their future, they're looking toward their future with faith, and all of us should. But a lot of people, when they do that, they neglect their now because they're so future-focused. Don't neglect your now, wherever you are. I know you might hate that job you're in. You might love it, but if you hate it, can I tell you what? Be faithful in the now. Be faithful in the now. Stay the course. Be faithful in the now. Amen? Be faithful in the now. That's Chad Price's testimony, my brother and my friend. Be faithful in the now. Be faithful in the now. 
That could be many of your testimonies. Be faithful in the now. If we're not faithful with the small things, we will never get to the bigger things that God has for us. Bigger is not always better, but God has things for you to do. Be faithful in the now. Let me just say it to you like this right here on the screen. Whoever can be trusted with very little, come on, say it with me, can be trusted with, that's Jesus. Quote, Jesus. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. So let me say it to you like this, and somebody needs to write this down. I'll just give you like a one, two, three formula for life. Do everything unto the Lord, be faithful in the now, and keep growing. Do everything unto the Lord, be faithful in the now, and keep growing so that when your name is called, you will be ready. Number three, final one. How can I be ready when God calls my name? Guard your potential. Grow your potential. And the final one is release your potential. Or let's make it personal. Release my potential. Come on, at some point we have to step out and release what God has put in us. Remember, we're a sent people, not a seated people. Now, you are seated right now receiving, and we're coming to the end of our service, so lean in because the last minutes are always the most precious as God wants to begin doing some surgery to tie it all together. But listen, the church, I would submit to you, capital C, has way too long had people sitting and sulking on the sidelines of life instead of jumping on the field and releasing what God's put in them. Sitting and sulking, by the way, will get you nowhere. It's time for us to get on the field, the field of life. Why? Because lives are at stake, guys. Lives are at stake. God has you a future where you're going to be affecting people that I, and you're going to reach people that I never could. All of us. Think about this morning when we prayed for you guys. This is coming to me right now. When we prayed for you all and all the services, on our little short drive over here, the Lord said, I'm going to multiply ministry in this room. So that means when we go out, you're going to touch somebody who's going to touch somebody who's going to impact somebody who's going to multiplication. God's going to multiply his ministry through you. God wants to use you, whether you believe it or not. God wants to use you to display his glory and greatness on the earth. I'll say it to you like this. The potential of God in you is aching to get out. This quote it's a depressing quote, but it's relevant to what I'm talking about. Most people die with the music still in them. It may not be music, but there's potential. There's greatness there, and God wants you to release it. So when he tells you and shows you this is what you're supposed to do, go for it. Jump in. Obey him. No time to waste. Come on, don't miss the God moment. No more paralysis by analysis. You know, you're, you know you're supposed to walk through the door, but you just keep backing up. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it now. Here I go. I'm going now. How do, where's the exit? Oh, i got to get out of here. You know, we got to be a people that we go through the door. No more reluctance. No more fear. We're just going after God. Well, what if? What if? God says, get rid of the what ifs. Just focus on me. Follow me. Trust me. I got you. Take the leap. He's your parachute. He called you. He will grace you to do it. He'll equip you to do it right here. Ephesians 4, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Listen to the words here, emphasis, capitalization. I beg you, Paul says, to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by who? Not man. You've been called by the king. There are only two people who know when we pass up God opportunities. Me 
and God. So I say over us today as we bring this to a close, no more holding back in Jesus' name. we got to step out and obey. Amen? And listen, I know the way the enemy works. I could write another book about all his lies in my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We recognize his lies because they're always binding you and holding you down, telling you what you're a failure. But I want to remind you this. When he reminds you of all your past mistakes, you just remind him of his future. His future. God's got your future. You remind Satan of his future. You're going to burn, baby, burn in the lake of fire. You and all your ugly little demons, you're going to burn in Jesus' name. When he reminds you of all the past hurts and failures and things didn't work out. Listen, our past does not define us. I've had to remind the enemy of that and myself. What do we do? We learn from our past. We don't relive it. We grow from it, and now we're ready. Amen? No more reluctance, no more fear. When God shows you the opportunity, step out and seize it. And I want to just say this to you. God is the only one who knows what lies on the other side of your obedience. You're like, well, what if it doesn't work? God's like, trust me and obey. I'll end it with this quote from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. Come on, Chronicles of Narnia. They need to finish the movies. The smallest good act, that word their action, the smallest good act today, somebody say today, is the strategic point from which months later you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. The smallest good act today is, to, is the strategic point from which months later you may be able to go on to victories you've never dreamed of. So I want to say just a couple things, and then we're going to pray. Some of you here need a kickstart because you're hurting. We've all been there. We'll be there again. The best time to start over and do over is today, right now, in Jesus' name. No more holding back. No more letting our past hold us back. Amen? So here's my challenge to some of you in the room. And you know who you are when I say this. Give God one year of your life. Dedicate your life to God like you never have before. Pursue him like never before. Plant yourself in his house. Devote yourself to his word. And I guarantee you, you will come back to me at the end of December of 2024. I can't believe I'm saying those words. And you'll be like, God, only God. And I'll be right there throwing a party with you. Doesn't mean that it's going to be rainbows and Skittles in 2024. We're going to have hard times. The Bible tells us that. It's going to get harder, actually. But the Bible says when you plant yourself in his house and you're devoted to him, the Bible tells us we will flourish in life. And can I tell you what? You can flourish in your soul even when you're going through difficult times. I challenge some of you in the room. I challenge you online. Quit playing in the shallow end of life and dive deep into God. Dive deep into his word. Dive deep into his house. If you're not supposed to be in this church, then get into a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church and plant yourself there. Get in. Get a part of a small group. Our small groups are exploding. So do we just need numbers? No. We want to see you flourishing, and we're better together. And I want to say this to you because there's a lot of leaders in the room that have been sitting. Something we're doing. It's going to sound like an infomercial for 60, 60 seconds, so stay with me. But this is also relevant to what we're talking about. 
This coming Saturday at 9 a.m., we're having a very short, we only do it once a year, leader gathering at Victory Hamilton Mill. It's happening at all of our campuses. We'll hear from our pastor, our senior pastor, and then we'll have a rally together with us, and then you're gone because it's Saturday, and we have Saturday night service. If you're a leader in the room, please come and join us for that short time together. We won't have food. We're fasting. We'll have coffee and tea. (laughs) If you're serving on a team and you know there's a leader in you, come join us. Something may jolt you. If you're sitting in this room and you know there's a leader in you waiting to get out, come join us. Even out of curiosity, come join us. Anyway, anyhow, there's leadership calling your name. I encourage you, come join us this Saturday, 9 a.m. And here's what I know. When you serve and lead in God's house, it just makes your life and your house so much better. That's just a promise because what you sow, you will reap. Amen. I want us to pray. Would you stand with me at this time? These precious minutes are going to fly by and we're going to walk out these doors. And so I want to encourage you to really lean in and I'm just going to begin to pray over us. And I want to break some things off you. And the only way that it can happen is you agreeing with me now in prayer. So let's go there together. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now first and foremost and we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for giving us abundant life. Thank you that we are more than conquerors. We are more than champions because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just tell him real quick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for fighting the battles when we had no fight in us. Thank you, Lord God, for holding us together. You're the glue that holds me and my family together, God. Thank you that you saw us when we were hurting and you never left us. Man forsook us, God, but you didn't. You believed in us when nobody did, God. We thank you, Lord. And so, God, today, right now, I'm praying it, but we're all praying and it's an agreement. God, we want to declare over our lives right right now, no more shrinking back in Jesus' name. No more shrinking back in the name of Jesus. No more holding back in Jesus' name. Come on, would you put your hand on your heart if you want this today? In the name of Jesus, we're going to agree together. If you don't want to, that's cool. It's between you and God. But if you're ready to move forward, let's go there together. I included. Father, no more holding back in Jesus' name. No more fear in Jesus' name. We're not going to let fear or our past dictate to us who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I want to declare over you right now, my brothers and sisters, and those who are watching, I declare over you the disappointment and the defeat that's been ruling your life. It is broken off you and yours in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, the disappointment and the defeat that's been trying to rule your life is broken off you, off yours, off your family, off your seed in Jesus' name, off your children in Jesus' name. I declare in the name of Jesus, I'm just, I'm just quoting scripture, guys. I declare in Jesus' name that the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that the enemies try to put on us because of our past, Lord, thank you that you're just washing it away right now in Jesus' name. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The shame of past mistakes, the shame of the hurts, the shame of letting you down and letting others down. God, forgive us, but we're not going to live in the shame anymore. We say goodbye, shame, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We've all got a past, and our past has been redeemed by the King and covered by the blood of the Lamb. It's been erased. 
So we're not going to keep living this thing anymore. We're going to start moving forward and keep growing in Jesus' name. And this I feel real strong. I felt it every service, and I feel it right again right now. In the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of failure off your life right now. In Jesus' name, I break the spirit of failure off your life in the name of Jesus. We say goodbye, failure. Yes, Lord, we have failed at things. But our failures do not define who we are. We are found in you, Jesus. So we say goodbye discouragement, goodbye depression in Jesus' name, goodbye fear, and goodbye failure in Jesus' name. And just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and your healing and your freedom. No more holding back. My life is yours. My yes is yours. Use me, God, however you want to. My 24 is yours. From January to December is yours. So here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Jesus. I'm yours. In your name, the holy name of Jesus, God, do the work right now. And a continual work as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Come on, can we just thank King Jesus right now? Thank you, Lord.